do you know what time it is? It's supernatural story time. And if you're easily scared, and even if you're not, there's only one thing left to do. Just turn off the lights, because these are stories that you listen to only in the dark. Haunted Memories, Volume 2, Story Number 1. My grandparents live in an old coal camp house in Ottawa, which is just a stone's throw from Blair Mountain. In fact, a railroad behind their house was used to transport miners up to the battlefield site way back when. The house has some history to it. All of it I'm not aware of, but I did find out some things thanks to some experiences I had as a kid. The earliest I can remember anything was from when I was about four, maybe five years old. I can remember hearing footsteps and low talking. Then it evolved into things moving around while I was asleep, to my sheets being yanked off and having my name whispered in my ear randomly in the same room. It never happened anywhere else. I don't remember any other experiences past when I was 11 or 12. Years later, I asked my grandma about it. She told me a story about how my grandfather's aunt owned the house and some men had boarded there for a while. All three men who had lived there died in the same room, the room I slept in as a kid. They weren't murdered or died tragically that any of us know of, but they were just old men who got sick and their bodies gave in. She told me that she couldn't think of anything that happened to her and neither can my grandpa. Maybe it was just my childhood imagination, but I still think it happened. I've had experiences in my adult life, like after my friend committed suicide and started visiting me in my dreams and in apparitions, he also appeared to my brother-in-law one night, unlocking their bedroom door, peeking around and closing it to be locked again like it hadn't been touched. My family has always been very spiritual and supposedly fine-tuned to things the naked eye cannot see. And I also believe that. I have seen and heard too much to not believe in something after death. Story number two. I was 18 at this time, accompanied by three others who were the same age. We decided to go out and rough it for a night with a camping trip. The area we went to is accessible only by ATV and it sat right on the bank of a creek. The giant bend in the creek is referred to as King's Bend by the locals and is known for good fishing in the day and a place to avoid like the plague at night. Here's a little backstory that I discovered after the event happened. There are two train tunnels that run under the hills in this area. They were built way back in the day under very difficult conditions and a lot of the workers who died during this process were buried in shoddy unmarked graves close to where we camped. There is also a large field to the west of the campsite. It has a house on it which I believe was used by West Virginia State Troopers as a campground. The reason that it's used by them is that it was taken over by the state after a shootout occurred there in which several members of a local group of bad men were killed by the police in a raid. Just up the creek away from our site a large old dead tree hangs out over the water which is where man hung himself many years earlier. Also, I know I wish I had known about all of these before we went camping. A woman and her child had drowned in a canoe accident, from what I learned directly in the creek in front of our camping site. So with all of that out of the way, and remember that we had no clue of any of this as we went down that night. And this is the story. My cousin, friends, and I gathered up our camping supplies, fishing poles, food, etc., 
and headed down while the sun was still up, although close to setting. In the last hour of the day, we started our fire, set up our tent, and started goofing off. Mind you, there was no alcohol, drugs, or any of the things that would have impaired our perceptions. This was all witness felt and heard by everyone involved. It was not long after the sunset, and it was total darkness, that the first sign that something wasn't right began. My cousin and I were sitting on the bank of the creek, roughly 30 feet from our camping site. We had a spotlight shining it down in the water, spotting fish and trying to spear them. We weren't very successful, but that's not the important part. After about three minutes of doing this, we noticed that every time we would shut the light off, we could hear a whoosh, whoosh in the water, very distinctly the sound of someone sloshing through water. When we turned the light back on, you could see waves, ripples in the water. Not slight ripples that could be caused by a fish or something else, but very heavy, rough ripples that needed weight to cause it. This alone was not enough to cause concern, but my cousin and I looked at each other thinking, that's weird, but we went on about our business. Sitting back at the campsite with a fire raging in front of us, we started shooting the breeze and enjoying the night. However, it wasn't long before once again weird things started. We heard voices echoing off the hillside. They were more like whispers, but they were loud, if that makes any sense. At first, this wouldn't be a cause for alarm, as people hunt for raccoon out there all the time during the night. However, the voices never got louder. They never got softer. They stayed the same volume. They sounded like they were practically on top of us. They were so clear and loud that it sounded like someone was whispering directly into our ears. Only everyone was hearing it that way. So it was like one voice was whispering into our collective ears. We looked around our immediate area. There was nothing. There was just tall weeds, grass in the area around our campsite. And once or twice it sounded like someone ran through them. Solid thuds on the ground, grass thrashing, and moving violently. The fear had begun to sink in. At first the voice was very hushed, indistinct, but clearly audible. After about two or three minutes, it started to become more apparent. The voice was whispering about us. What are you doing here? They need to leave. You shouldn't be here. If this sounds like something out of a horror novel, I'm a thousand percent inclined to agree with you. At this point, sheer panic broke out. We decided at that moment to leave quickly. The ATV was parked just out of the firelight, still visible but faintly. As I stood up, looked at my friend and told him that we needed to go, I started to jog toward the ATV to get it started when my friend got what they absolutely couldn't leave behind that night. I was looking over my shoulder at first, and when I turned to look ahead at the ATV, I was literally frozen in place at what I saw. Standing just beside the ATV under a tree was the outline of a tall man in what looked like a hat. You could see no details, it was just blackness. You could see through it as it was transparent, but what was beyond looked twisted and distorted, like looking through water or something. There were no red eyes, as I've read in other encounters of such things, but I'm sure there are variants of every type of supernatural thing. He had no feet. It just sort of ended at his ankles and wavy lines, almost like what heat waves look like above a fire. My heart sank into my stomach. An undeniable feeling of fear and revulsion took over. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I was rooted on the spot from the moment I laid eyes on it. 
This is the moment where I realized, holy moly, ghosts are real. My cousin came up just beside me at that time and saw it too. He was just frozen on the spot. After about 10 or 15 seconds, I don't really know. It seemed like an eternity to me. It's sort of like zipped back in the direction of the train tunnels. The best way I can describe it is if you remember the flash, how he sort of had an outline of himself behind him as he moved really fast, just like that. It just went very quickly back into the darkness and disappeared. We got on that ATV and hauled out of there with full fury, like the hounds of hell were on our tail, because for all we knew, they were. We spent the night indoors, wide awake, scared to death, while we tried to rationalize and make sense of what we had just experienced. It wasn't until afterwards that I learned about all the things I wrote about and heard from men who are hard men, guys who show no fear to any living thing that I wouldn't want to cross under any circumstance that even they avoided that area at night. Nobody goes through that section after the sun goes down. We didn't know this, of course, or we wouldn't have gone by ourselves. In other words, we would have heeded their advice. If any of this sounds unbelievable, I don't blame you one bit. If someone told me this story, I would laugh at them, call them a storyteller, etc. I'm not one to tell stories myself. I can tell you that what I saw did happen, and it changed my life. It really led me to question life, death, and what happens afterwards. Next story. This happened to me personally sometime during the summer of 2006, possibly 2007. This takes place in a relatively secluded section of Wetzel County. I had recently lost my vehicle, and my only form of transport was by ATV. I would drive my four-wheeler out to a friend's, taking ridge tops and bike trails, always steering clear of main highways. Well, one night I had stayed at my friend's house a little later than usual and was heading home around 1 a.m. If you have ever been on a ridge top on an ATV at night, then you know how dark, isolated, and vulnerable you are. I was already hesitant to drive back so late, compounded by the fact that I had almost emptied the main tank of fuel and might have to switch to the reserve tank to get home. I was riding along the ridge completely surrounded by trees and foliage, well away from any homes or people. I had to stop to check to make sure I had my phone and belongings, and as I was sitting there idling, I heard loud thrashing and movement coming from the hillside above the trail. This alone was not enough to scare me, as I just brushed it off as normal wood noises or an animal. Continuing down the path, I came to a section where the foliage was particularly dense on both sides of the trail. I had to slow down a bit to ensure safety, and just as I was passing through the thick of it, a large rock, really a boulder, a bit smaller than a woman's basketball, came sailing over the top of the foliage, and hadn't I hit the brakes rather suddenly, it would have most likely have struck me on the head and knocked me right off, or killed me outright. Suddenly I was in full flight, or flight mode. My mind had barely registered what it had seen before it was telling me to go. I obliged and hammered down, wanting to at least get off this trail and onto a less isolated road. Well, I made it about a half mile to where the trail connected back to a more used road. It was here that the ATV began to sputter, running out of fuel. I had to stop. The engine had shut off, and I reached over to switch to reserve. 
sitting in the dark, only red brake lights on the trail behind and straight-ahead lights on the path ahead, pushing the ignition, hoping it would start. I was petrified. I heard heavy footfall in the woods on the side of the path the rock had come from. I could see tree limbs shaking and moving headed my way. Not my manliest moment, but I will admit that I vomited on the path out of fear. After using choke, the bike fired up, and I honestly don't remember driving home. Nothing further happened to me, but I never was out that late riding West Virginia ridges alone ever again. And if you plan to, walk softly, but carry a big stick, preferably a stick that fires bullets. Next story. These are some stories of encounters that I've had with a creature that I believe is a wendigo. The first time I was around 10 or so playing in the woods around my home in Ona of Cabell County. There are several expanses of thick woods, tall hills, and deep valley hollers. The sun just started going down below the hills, and I was walking back on one of the trails. I got the feeling I was being followed the whole way back, and about the time I crossed the creek and I was into the open field where my house was, I heard crashing in the woods behind me. I ran to my house and slammed the door behind, looking out the window. I remember thinking I saw a tall, thin, pale, bipedal, dog-like thing peeking up from behind a tree on the opposite side of the creek before vanishing into nothing. But I was young, so I marked it up to imagination. My second encounter was during high school, while out bow hunting late in the evening, nearing dark time. Once more, I was walking out of the same woods, and I heard a blood-curdling scream that echoed from a couple of hills over. I assumed it was some animal that I was not familiar with, and I just walked home, calm but curious, and that was that. The third and last time so far that I had a possible experience was during rifle season when I was about 20 years old in 2011. I was out in Salt Rock, West Virginia, in a deep dark collar. After hunting all day, I didn't see a single animal. Nothing. No squirrel. No deer. A few birds, but sparse. As dark was approaching, I was frustrated and just hiking out of the hollow. And about three quarters of the way back to my vehicle, I heard movement behind me up on the ridge top to my right. I stopped, looked around, and listened. I looked through my scope and saw nothing. I kept on walking, and about five minutes later, it was about 10 to 15 minutes of sunlight left. I heard something up on the ridge top again. I looked over and saw what I thought was a pack of four or five coyotes following me about 70 yards up the hill and about 100 yards back, just peeking over the ridge top through the trees and bushes. I had a 270 with me. I made sure it was loaded and took my safety off and aimed up at the animals to see if they were coyote, dog, deer, or what. These were not coyote, nor dogs, nor man, not even wolf, which are not even in West Virginia anymore. What I saw instantly flashed me back to when I saw that pale bipedal dog creature when I was 10. Pale, grayish, skin, fur, lanky arms, and a dog-like head with canine teeth showing. I fired at it and then fired again. I kept my loaded gun in my hands and climbed up and out of the woods at a quick but safe pace while listening behind me the whole time. As I reached my car, I heard something coming towards me from the valley. I was just in so I turned and fired again as a warning shot. I got to my car and left with my nerves on high, 
still pumping with adrenaline from the fight-flight instinct. Got home, and after calming down, my hunter instinct kicked in, and I felt bad for shooting at the unknown creature because it's hard to accept that I saw what I did. My brain wanted to say it was a wild dog or deer, but it wasn't. However, I could not just let it be if it was a wounded animal. The next day, I went back and looked for blood tracks or any sign of movement through the area. I found nothing at all. The squirrels were back in the area that day. So I just counted it as a freak moment and let it be until I started reading up on what now I realized was a Wendigo. Definitely strange things out there. Just can't say for sure what it is. But I have my suspicions. Next story. I recently started a security guard job for the graveyard shift. The building has 12 floors, roof access, and two parking garages for reference. No one but me and my partner is supposed to be in the building overnight. Also, you need a key card to use the elevator to get in the doors to go to the stairwell. Anyway, the first night, one of the motion-activated toilets went off when no one was near it. We had to do a bathroom patrol. It happened right when we opened a door on a vacant floor. A week ago, I was doing a patrol from the 12th floor mechanical room. As I left the room into the stairwell, the rooftop door was being rattled and slightly banged on. I ran up there and there was nothing. I assumed it was a bird or something. I started my way down and then on the 11th floor, the door started jiggling. I jogged my way down because it's my job and I had to go there anyway. I swiped my key and there was no one there again. It was quiet besides the toilets going off and the walkie-talkies and last night I was doing bathroom patrol at 4 a.m. listening to my music on one ear and I get to the 11th floor to start and I hear footsteps behind me. I pulled out the headphones while turning around getting ready to tell them to get out. Yet again no one but right as those footsteps stopped there were heavy footsteps on the floor above me but then they stopped right above me when I figured out where they were coming from. After I got out of that floor into the stairwell and shut the door, I heard it sound like it was trying to open the door, but it wasn't moving. There isn't any wind inside that building, and nothing showed up on the security cameras. I did find out some history on the building, though. I was told that it burned down to the ground in the early 1900s, but I'm not sure if that's true because I'm not sure how to look up the building's history. Also, an old security guard was beat to death, according to a co-worker. As for any places they avoid, it's usually floors 3 to 5 because they're vacant and dark. I've never heard or felt anything weird on those levels. There's this pink hallway in the stairwell that no one goes down there. It goes from the second floor to the lobby. My buddy said that he's heard footsteps following him and voices while walking down. I've only been down that hallway a couple of seconds because it looks creepy and I didn't want to get lost. This was my second day on the job. But now that I'm a couple of weeks in, I do want to check it out, but I'm still thinking about that. Next story. So about 15 years ago, I was living in the high desert of Los Angeles County, going to college full time and working two jobs. One job was working security at night for a church with a large campus with a private school on the property. The property had entrances on the west and north sides. At night, we would close the gate on the north side and post a guy in a car to deed or break-ins 
and direct any traffic to the main entrance. On the north side of the property, there was a modular trailer building that were brought secondhand and used as classroom space. One of these buildings was the trouble source. Whenever I was stationed at the back entrance, I would get the strong feeling that I was being watched. I'm talking hair standing on end, goosebumps, and paranoia. I was being watched and I was not welcomed. I wasn't there only one who experienced these feelings. It was most of the crew. Eventually, we got scientific about it. Whenever there was a new guy, we'd stick him back there for his first night and not say anything. A few hours later, we'd roll by to check on him, and the new guy would be getting really jumpier. He would just move out of the car out of line of sight of the building. Part of the job was making sure the doors of all the buildings were locked, and if they weren't, we'd have to check the building and make sure nobody was squatting. This particular building would have lights come on, flicker in the middle of the night, chairs and desks would be moderately moved around in classrooms, just like crooked desks, chairs pulled out, that kind of thing. One night when I was back there, the building had been locked up, but when I checked it later, it was unlocked. Great. Now I gotta go in. By now my skin was crawling and I could tell whatever was in there was pissed. I radioed in a second guy and we went inside. Upon entering the building, we quickly swept through the, with flashlights and cleared all of the rooms. Didn't see a thing. We made our way back to the front door. As we were standing by the entrance, there's a loud, noticeable floor creak, just like if somebody took a step. However, it's coming from a room that's empty. Then a sound I can only describe as blowing air or wind quickly moved above the ceiling tiles from that classroom towards us. When it got right above us, it stopped dead, and it was silent. This wasn't the AC system. The duct system wasn't in that part of the ceiling, and it was shut off. We never ran so fast. I'm not saying it was a ghost or a spirit or whatever. All I know is something was in that building, and it felt evil. Next story. When I worked as a security officer on a college campus for ten and a half years, it was at some point during those 10 years that I worked the midnight shift, which required a building check of almost, if not all, every single academic building on the campus. Some of those buildings were buildings that managed to survive the Civil War when the majority of the campus was destroyed. Those buildings had a strange, eerie vibe to them, and a lot of co-workers over the years wouldn't check them and would take a write-up or even risk losing their job for that reason. Some people would probably consider me a skeptic, but I will say those old Civil War buildings were creepy and made me feel uncomfortable, but I managed to bite the bullet and walk through them and get it over with, but I remember, but I remember there were two or three buildings where I opened the door and got two or three steps in and be overwhelmed with this feeling that I needed to get out of there, like right away. I would turn around, lock the door, and checked the building from the outside. There was one building, a two-story, that had two doors at the end of the west wing, one on the first floor, which was the basement, and the other directly above it on the second floor. They were both locked from the inside by a knob like a deadbolt, which meant if a student or professor stayed over late and exited that door, which happened pretty often, you would have to lock it from the inside and walk through the basement in complete darkness to the stairwell and oh my god, I just remember walking up that door from the outside and had to take a deep breath and pray it was locked 
before working up the nerve to pull the handle. And every time I pulled and it opened, my heart sank. So yeah, it was one of those jobs that I liked, but at the same time, there were moments that I actually hated it. Next story. I worked security for a large global company for almost 10 years. During my tenure, there were multiple paranormal type events that took place in the warehouses. Since many of the employees knew my interest in the paranormal, they were comfortable enough to come to me whenever something strange happened to them. I gathered quite a collection of stories. There were three warehouses on our campus, so I will identify them as warehouse A, B, and C. The first strange thing that I can recall taking place was shortly after I started working third shift in warehouse A. My partner and I were monitoring a room on the other side of the building via CCTV as we suspected someone was taking naps there during their shift. Everything was going routine when we received an unrelated medical emergency call that forced us to stop surveillance for about an hour. After the emergency was over, we rewound the tapes to view the hour we had missed. We had two monitors, one with a live view of the room and another with a taped view. About halfway through watching the tape, we saw the dark silhouette of somebody move across the doorway inside the room. We continued reviewing the tape and caught up to the point where we resumed live surveillance. No one had come out of the room, so whoever we saw walk past the doorway was still inside. As my partner kept an eye on the camera, I went back to physically check the room, expecting to find someone snoozing. There was no one there. I radioed my partner to ensure no one had exited while I was en route, and he confirmed that he didn't observe anyone leave. I told him the room was empty, and chills went down my spine. I promptly left the room. When I got back to the command post, I offered him a chance to check things out, but he declined. We talked about that evening for a long time, but didn't bring it up to management since we were both new on the job. Years later, another employee told me she was always afraid of going into that room because it felt uneasy. Now, going on to warehouse C, objects always seem to move on their own. One security officer had placed a pile of books on top of the command post desk, walked away briefly into the security office for a cup of coffee, and returned to find her books had been moved to the opposite corner. She was the only person in the building. Another example of objects moving on their own came when I was making rounds at warehouse C one night. The maintenance guy came up to me and told me that I was pretty sneaky. I asked him what he meant, and he said about 30 minutes prior, while he was installing a shelf, he laid a screwdriver down to use another tool. About 10 seconds later, he reached for a screwdriver, but it had moved about 30 feet away. He said I was sneaky because he didn't even notice I was there messing with him. I told him that I wasn't even in the warehouse 30 minutes ago. I was checking fire suppression equipment in the offices. He didn't believe me until I showed him the tape of me in the office at the time his screwdriver moved. He got major goosebumps then. Finally, we had a covert camera set up in our high-value cage to watch for any potential thefts. You needed to swipe your ID badge to enter and only certain people had access to the cage. The camera was set to record only when motion was detected to conserve space. The motion sensor, like the rest of them in the warehouse, was set to ignore anything under 50 pounds to prevent false recording. For example, a box moving down the conveyor line. We were reviewing the footage from the previous night finding nothing interesting. The time skipped forward a few hours as expected 
from the time everyone went home that night to the people coming in for first shift. What we didn't expect was that several boxes and a bag that were in different positions. We couldn't believe it. If anyone had entered the aisle, the camera would have recorded them. We double-checked with the card access logs to confirm that no one had been in the cage between the time the camera stopped recording to when the boxes were moved. Warehouse C was by far the most haunted of the three warehouses where I worked. I began working Warehouse C while it was still under construction. I spoke to some of the contractors who stated they were instructed to keep a lookout for skeletons, bone fragments, and other relics as a small cemetery was once located near the northeastern section of the property. I did some research and confirmed a cemetery that dated to 1803 had once occupied that section of land. There were several known burials, all of them young children, but records stated the cemetery had been removed. I wasn't able to find any other information as to where the graves were moved. The warehouse proper was not built atop this section, but the company now owned that section of land. Once the construction was complete, the building sat empty for almost two years while programmers worked on the software to run the building. Security, maintenance, and some IT guys were the only people in the building at the time. Almost every security officer who worked in Warehouse C had some sort of paranormal experience of their own. Some of them were even hardcore skeptics until then. One of them was an older gentleman who had recently been hired to work third shift. While I was training him, I brought him up on some of the stories others had told me about word things they had experienced in the building. He didn't believe a single word. About a month later, I was coming in on first shift to relieve him. He said that he now believed those stories. While walking out to his vehicle to grab his lunch, he heard a female voice call from the smoker's patio. Hey, security, can you open this door for me? He said, sure, thinking it was a lady from IT and turned to unlock the door, except there was no one there. This wasn't his only experience during his time there in security. We used to have huge sales at the building to get rid of overstock and return merchandise. One night after one of these sales, the same gentleman was inspecting fire extinguishers when he heard a baby begin to cry from near a restroom area. Fearing someone had lost her child during the sale, he rushed over to the restroom. The crying stopped as he approached the restroom door. He checked both the men's and women's restrooms and a cleaning closet around the corner to find nothing. He checked around the rest of the mezzanine, looking in every nook and cranny. Nothing. So he decided to finish up his inspections, and as he was checking the last extinguisher, the crying started coming from the restroom area again. He said that he returned to the command post as quick as he could. These two events combined were enough for him to turn from skeptic to believer.